Guy Duplanchet is my guest this week on the Bryant Land Show. He is the host of the Western Contours podcast. That's right, Western, as in California. So we're going to kick back and chop it up and talk about hunting styles, the different styles that we use down south, and the styles that he uses out west. He is an accomplished elk hunter, podcaster, and just all-around great dude. The Bryantland Show starts as soon as y'all hit my music. Stone Mountain, Georgia. This is the Bryant Land Show, hosted by proud Gamecock and South Carolinian AB3. Okay, so the first thing that I noticed in watching your videos and talking about, you know, differences between out west and hunting out here down south and in the east and stuff. I was watching your videos on the Hunt Expo. And Mm -hmm. I've done a few trade shows. Like I've had booths and trade shows. I walked around trade shows. And the absolute biggest thing that stuck out to me, like first thing, you go to a trade show down south, you hear the duck calls regardless of what, you know, if it's like a deer and turkey trade show or like, you know, just general outdoors, whatever, those duck calls, they're at least, I'd say, depending on the show you go to, seven to eight vendors selling duck calls, and they're blowing duck calls all across the space. I turn in and I look at your video, and all I hear is elk bugles. (laughs) And I'm sitting there and I'm watching your videos and I'm, you know, making my notes and stuff. And I'm like, dang, like every like two or three minutes, it's just bugling and bugling and bugling. So that was the first thing that stuck out to me. So welcome to the Bryantland Show, Guy Duplanchet, host of the Western Contours podcast. Thank you for coming on. Man, I, I, well, here, let me do this first before we, uh, I'm gonna hook you up so you can, you can fill that home with me and I can fill that home with you. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what it sounded like. Just over and over again. Like I had to keep rewinding. I'm like, Okay, this the hunt. What's the name of this trade show? It's like Hunt Expo. Okay. Where is this at? Oh, Utah. Oh. Okay, that explains it. <laughs> Western Hunting and Conservation Expo, man. Western Hunting. I don't know. I don't know that. At least in my head, there's not another animal that gets folks as fired up as a bugling bull elk, man. So that was. Uh, it was fun, and what you heard was what I didn't pull out of some of those episodes. I mean, it was. We were right next to uh, the Phelps booth, and and them boys are all callers and ladies, and man, they were just letting them rip all day, every day. It was it was great. <laughs> See, and that's it the thing great, because, man. like, if you're just walking through a trade show, like I, I always feel like as a spectator. You can probably, if you get there in enough time, you can do a trade show in one day. Like, you can see all the booths, see everything, take it all in. 
And as a spectator, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I kind of, like, the very first time I went, I heard it, but after a while, I kind of tuned it out. But when you're working the trade show and you are there from sun up to sundown, <laughs> three days, not even counting a setup day, like if the trade show opens on a Friday and you go in and you set on a Thursday, so that's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, half the day Sunday, and all you hear, oh, my God. But <laughs> the the bugling of elk, I have been fortunate enough to hear Elk's bugle, and you're right. It's mm-hmm. nothing like it. Like, the first time I heard it, I was just kind of like, what the hell? And then it was like, that's an Elk. I was like, oh, all right. Good to know, and yeah, it's, it's unmistakable. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, it's an amazing animal, man. And so, but, oh no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say it, it's an amazing animal, man. That thing, uh, it's it's pretty much all I think about <laughs> at this point, man. Well, and it's funny because you know I did a little uh, survey on Instagram the other night. And it was like, you know, they put like one through nine as far as, you know, like deer hunting, elk hunting, duck hunting, turkey. (laughs) You know, they left off hogs, which a lot of people pointed out. But I distinctly remember number seven was elk. And I saw in your ranking, it was like seven, 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 one. And I was like, one. (laughs) And one was. I had to give the deer a little love. I was about to say, one was deer, but seven was elk. And it was just like seven, seven, seven. It's like, all right, it's all about that L. Man, what, I guess, first of all, like, how did you get started hunting? How did you get started hunting elk? And what was, like, was there a turning point? Was there, like, uh, a defining moment where you were like, okay, the elk is what I want to go after? So, okay, I'm going to jump us back real quick and say thank you for, uh, the opportunity to, to jump on your platform, man. It's, it's an honor. Um, I listen to you. I've listened, you know, listened to a bunch of episodes. You have folks on that I know. So thank you very much, uh, for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate um, that. And as far as hunting, oh man, uh, you want me to talk about elk hunting or you want me to talk about hunting, how I got into hunting? Or well, I guess like let's from the beginning, like what, like, have you been doing this like all your life? Did you come to it later in life? Like I came to it later. So, like, did you, you know, grow up, like, hunting and stuff? Because I know you're in California. Did you grow up in California, like, hunting, fishing? Like, was that a was that a thing or? <laughs> yes, we hunt and fish in Cali, man. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up hunting. Um, I was exposed to it um, through story, right? My, my grandpa was a, was a huge fisherman, and that was where I sp- spent most of my time outdoors. Uh, was fishing and him and my uh my uncle jimmy they were big uh wing shooters some guys love to go and hunt duck and dove okay and unfortunately at that you know my age that was the it was like the man's trip it was him and my uncle and they you know they'd boogie out and they went somewhere in california and i don't remember exactly probably a north somewhere but then they would take an annual trip down to mexico some lake down there and i imagine they hit the you know the, the Mexican brothels or something while they were down there. Why the kids couldn't go, <laughs> you know, they probably just cut loose. Uh, and then my uncle, my whole family was into camping and, and fishing. I mean, that's all we did, man. We'd go and, and, you know, hit the lakes and fish and fish and fish. We were probably at, 
you know, a lake having a family camping deal once, twice every month. And then, you know, my uncle would go and uh, remember him coming back and, you know, stories talking about elk. And I was the oldest of, you know, the grandchildren and the cousins and all that. So, you know, while other kids are sitting there salivating, I'd get my little, you know, bite of elk steak. Um, and I remember, I, I remember the first time seeing it in the pan. I remember the first bite and falling in love with it. And as far as, you know, how, I don't know exactly how it started, but I remember, I remember being enamored. We'd be on Lake Kachuman. We had a couple coves. We'd always fish bluegill. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing hogs on the side there, you know, and oh, it's a pig, right? But I remember seeing deer and just being entranced by those deer on that lakeside. And going up over the 405, um, the Sepulveda Pass, you go in between, you know, you're, you're basically splitting Beverly Hills and the Santa Monica Mountains. And I remember I was probably in second or third grade. And I could, you know, again, when it comes to wildlife or hunting. And I had this picture, and, and it was me and my mother were going north on the 405. And I remember looking off to the side of the freeway and seeing a deer there. And every time I drive that freaking freeway, the parking lot of the 405, to this day, I could point the exact spot we were at when I saw that deer. So I've always had some kind of some kind of call into it, I guess. But I didn't start hunting until my early 20s. You know, I'd wake up as a kid, you know, junior high, high school, I'd wake up. Um, you know, four in the morning, watch Bill dance, you know, fishing and then whatever hunting shows would follow that. And man, I couldn't tell you what they were. And, and most of everything back then was, you know, Midwest or uh, down South. And that's really where, what I thought hunting was, mm-hmm. um, not to say that it's not Brian <laughs> or Adam, <laughs> not to say that it's not to say it's not, I don't want this nobody else. No, um, no. But no, that's, that's really what my idea of hunting was. And then uh, it was just something that always that always interests me. And uh, just didn't have the means, didn't know how to go about it. And uh, finally, in my in my early 20s, me and a buddy, and I was like, man, I really want to do this, watching Jim Shockey and, and uh, Bone Collector, stuff like that. Mm. And uh, said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to try this undertaking. And I had a, a buddy, at, the guy was actually working for me at the time. Um, he brought a, had a bow, he had an old darting bow and, uh, he's like, Oh man, he's shooting in the yard that we had. And he's like, you want to, you want to try and shoot this? And I was like, yeah, I'll give it a whirl, man. And I kid you not, I pulled back that bow and he had a glow stick set up in front of a, a, a piece of uh, foam and we we're probably 20 yards and I drew that bow back and I hit that glow stick and it blew up. And that was all she wrote. Man. <laughs> I got on, <laughs> I got on, uh, Craigslist. I think it was Craigslist. It was either Craigslist or eBay. Found a dude selling an old Matthews. I think it was a Matthews icon. Oh, wow. And I didn't, man, I didn't know nothing about draw length. I didn't know nothing about pound. I got lucky. When I got that bow from that dude, I got lucky. I mean, it was a 29-inch draw, 70-pound bow. Um, to this day, probably one of the most accurate bows I ever shot, that long axle to axle. And, uh, man, I just started trying to figure it out, man. You know, started making calls and figuring out how I do it. You know, went and took my hunter safety course, and yeah, it was we'll just call it downhill from there. It's been a I stopped doing everything else that I used to do. I mean, here in California, we have opportunities to whatever you want to do, right? From surfing, which I can't even get up on one of them damn boards, but snowboarding, <laughs> and four wheel driving. You know what I mean? Right. You just have all these opportunities, 
and I don't care about any of it. it you know, put me in the woods chasing an animal, and that's that's it, man. man. So that was kind of my start. You know, my start into it, um, and it was a rough go. I mean, you know, you don't know nothing. You go in the woods. I'm walking on trails. I don't know what to look for. Mm-hmm. I, think it, I don't think I saw an animal. I'm gonna say it was around four years where I didn't. Wow. I did not see one animal, man. And, and you were, uh, you were and, doing it all all yourself, like you didn't have a buddy or anything, like to kind of nothing. walk you through it. You just trial and error on your own. That's it. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have social media. Right. I think I think maybe MySpace was around then, but the <laughs> wife would have, you know, if I had a MySpace boy, she wouldn't have it. We didn't have all that, so it was, right. it was trial by fire. Right. I had to go get boots on the ground and uh, and try and figure it out. And uh, I think that was my the end of my fourth year young family, you know, we, I didn't make a ton of money then. And, uh, not that I make a ton of money now, but it was like, man, what are you doing? You know, you're away from the family, you know, two, three days at a time, spending a lot of money, you're driving three, four hours. And I started to feel guilty. And I think it was a frustration. And I I took a year off. I said, man, screw this mess. I don't even know what I'm doing out here. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I regret that year, man. To this day, I regret missing that year. Just and then the next year I went out. Just I'm because sorry. no, I was just gonna say just because of the the experiences, you felt like you just could have been one year closer. Yeah, yeah, it really was, but it it was the time out there, right? I was so at the time I was so focused on seeing an animal or, or arrowing an animal that I was missing I was missing what hunting really is, right? Yeah. You know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm gonna go put this t- man. I I couldn't even, I probably couldn't even gut the animal. I, I didn't, you know what I mean? I had no idea. I nobody ever seen me how to dress it. I had a little, a little spiral bound notebook. It's probably like a three by three little notebook deal, and it was like uh, something field dressing game. And it had a hog, and a duck, and rabbit, and a squirrel, and a deer, and it, it gave you these little perforated lines to show you where you cut and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was that was my instruction. Magazines, you know, whatever little books I could find. <laughs> that was it. That's that's what I was in the woods with, man. And the only thing that I had under my belt because I did a lot of backpacking was was land navigation. You know, I could read a compass. I knew how to make my way through the woods. I didn't know where the hell to look for animals. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, what I mean? that was apparent after four years, man. You know, and then it just it. I think the year I went back that next year, I finally, I finally arrowed an animal and it was just like the light came on Mm. and I was sitting over, you know, I'm sitting there, that animal didn't run the 20 yards. I'm sitting over that animal and that's really when the light came on. And I think that's where the regret of missing that year started. It was just, it was something like I never had felt experienced. Uh, I, I felt gratitude and admiration and just man it was like it was like the drug i didn't never want to stop doing you know crackhead guy got a deer and he's just gonna keep, <laughs> he's gonna keep chasing them. <laughs> was it uh um, was it a buck or a doe it was a doe okay a doe. yeah i had an either sex tag for a local uh for my local range here and okay. it was uh yeah it was a dish it was a nice doe but yeah that was the first one man so that started the obsession Man, because let me tell you, Dave, you know, people, I know there's the obsession, you know, with bucks and big bucks and antlers and all that other stuff. And rightfully so. I mean, it's awesome. But I've always been of the thought that 
if you kill something with a bow, whether it's a doe, buck, turkey, hog, I mean, the the skill set that it takes to kill something with a bow, to me, there's just nothing like it. And, you mm. know, I know, you know, you got your long bows and, you know, traditional archery and stuff and that and that's great. But to me there's nothing like rearing back with a compound with a compound bow and just letting it fly and watching that broadhead <laughs> go through, man, it oh, it's a great feeling. So I, I totally yeah, I totally agree with you. Now it so you got your you got your first doe and you like you said, the light just kinda like turned on for you. When when did you make the transition to elk? So elk's another story, man. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, I you know hunted for years and years and and started putting in for you know after that that next season I started putting in for you know bighorn sheep here in California elk uh, antelope and the way California set up and our herds and whatnot it takes years and years. I mean elk here is a once in a lifetime mm. and again I never. I never had, I wasn't around a hunting crowd, right? Or didn't know people that hunted even after I started. And I want to say it was probably maybe two years after that, I went into a pro shop, found out there's a local archery shop and uh, went in there and started talking to the owner and, uh, and it kind of spiraled out of control, started putting in for my elk and didn't even think about out of state opportunities. I was barely, you know, barely hunting here. Mm Mm-hmm. And skip some years. Uh, my daughter's playing soccer. A friend of uh, a teammate of hers. Uh, we became friends with the family, and her dad said, "Man, you hunt, right?" And I, yeah, I brought you know a couple people some venison, and uh, and he goes, well, "We go to Colorado every year. If you like to tag along with us." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, you know." And he started telling me Colorado elk, blah blah blah. And uh, Manny, I went over. We went over their house and. Uh, took me upstairs and he kind of had the you know the trophy staircase to the upstairs balcony thing where all his trophies are at and that was the first time I even set eyes on on an elk that close you know I've seen him going up uh going up to like NorCal the wife and I would drive up to Mammoth every year and you know you'd see herds up there and I you know always thought they were beautiful but I thought I had to wait for the opportunity right and had no idea that I could travel elsewhere to uh to chase them so he, you know, for, jeez, man, six, seven years, you want to go, you want to go, you want to go. Well, both my kids were playing sports. My boy was playing football and my daughter was in soccer. So it was always a struggle to lay time down for myself like that. You know, you're talking a week and a half, two weeks uh, while they, you know, they have games, leave the wife. She's trying to juggle, you know, two practices, two games, things like that. So I just never, never did it. And uh, fast forward. I go, you know what? I'm, I'm going on an elk hunt. I'm not waiting anymore. Um, and this was what three, it'll be three years ago now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of years. I just fast forward through. No, um, I mean, but still just, to, the thing to me is just like when you make up your mind and then, you know, like you say, you have like that light bulb moment. And then you figure out it's like okay, hey, that's this is what I want to do. And then the next step is okay, how can I get it? How can I do it? Do I want to wait around for my once in a lifetime tag? 
in California or can I go to Wyoming or go to Colorado or go to, you know, wherever mm-hmm. and have an opportunity a lot sooner. So, yeah, man, that's, well, that's I mean, the way figures, to do it. So that was that was three years ago. Last year, I hit 17 points, which is max points for California elk. So that's how many years I fast forwarded through that. So when I decided I was going, I had 14 or so points. But yeah, man, I just said, you know what? I'm going. I was uh, having a conversation with a guy, and he goes, "Man, we're applying. Uh, we're applying to Wyoming." He goes, "We're, you know, we're applying with a party. If you want to, you know, put in with us, I know you don't have points. You're more than welcome." And uh, I was like, "Seriously, you know?" And I, I ended up applying with them. Got lucky, you know. The group got lucky. I don't think they got lucky. They had points for it, mm-hmm. and I drew with them. I didn't hunt with them. Uh, but I drew with them. So it was pretty cool, you know, to, to get that opportunity basically off of somebody else's back and uh, and go a few months later. Wow. And it was unreal, man. Soon as I, soon as I rolled up into camp, man, I got out and I could just hear elk bugling. <laughs> and I kid you not, Adam, that was, that was it. I mean, that, it was like a kid on Christmas you know, you wake up and you're walking out in the living room and you see all the presents and the lights and the tree is lit and the cookies are bit and the milk is crumbles or you know, sprinkled everywhere. Right, right. <laughs> Man, it was I think you've seen you've seen that YouTube video and I, I think that that's on there. And I roll in the camp, dude, and I kid you not, I pulled my phone out and it was like a minute in and I was trembling hearing them bugle and they must have been a mile off, but they were just talking back and forth. And dude, it is, it is nothing like you'll ever experience to have an animal that is so social and communicates. And the fact that you can interact with them in that manner to try and get close enough to seal the deal is just something that's just un, unworldly phenomenal, man. I, I, I was looking at your video and it's funny because I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and you know, it's most of the people that listen to my podcast know that I'm a director by trade. Like, I direct live TV sports. And a lot of times it's hard for me to turn my brain off because, like, I'm looking at stuff and I'm supposed to be looking at it just, like, for the entertainment value. But I'm looking at it and I'm like, wow, that's a good camera shot. How did he do that? Where did he put that camera? Like, that's a good angle right there. That was <laughs> So that's how I'm looking at your video. And I'm following along. And I think it's the part where y'all are uh, almost about to close the deal and the guy keeps calling. And I'm looking, I think, to the right of the screen because I think that's where um, your camera was at the time. So I'm looking off to the right and I'm just, okay, it's like he's calling. All right, it's like something's going to happen here. And then out of the corner on the left is where the um, elk came in at. And he was so close. Like, literally, I turned and I looked. I was like, shit, there it is. Like it's like, damn, that thing's close. And so I'm yeah. watching it from there. And I just can't imagine, man, being on foot to have an animal that big, that close. Because, I mean, he was like, what, 30 yards away from y'all? No, he uh, he actually came in at his closest. He was about 12 and a half yards. Wow. And he kind of, you know, he was facing us. And then he kind of did the, did the turn. Well, when he did that turn, he kind of bounced a little bit, you know, outside of us as he turned from frontal to that broadside shot when he was headed to the right. 
And I want to say he was at 18. And then when he scooted, he was at, what did we range? I think he ended up being at 22 yards. Wow. Um, and it is, yeah. I mean, when you see, what's amazing about them is when you see them come through that that thick, dark timber, mm-hmm. and unless they're bugling, not making a sound, and the antlers, the, you know, I mean, you saw that. That was a nice elk, man. He was a five, but he was a nice elk. Yeah. They don't touch anything, man. It's like they've been, they've walked that path a million times. Um, it's just an amazing, amazing creature, man. Yeah, because it's, it's not right. It's not like they're clumsily walking through and, like, their antlers mm-hmm. are, like, breaking branches or whatever. It's like they've figured out they got their spaces where they walk. But just, like I said, because my, my sight was focused, like I said, to the right side of the screen, and then it was just like all of a sudden out of the left side, he started just walking, like, coming towards y'all. And I was just <laughs> like, whoa. Like that. Yeah. Man, I can't imagine that. That had to be awesome. And then, of course, I finished watching the video, and unfortunately, you know, like what the ending wasn't what you, you know, wanted it to be. But just that experience of having a freaking elk 20 yards away from you, man. Mm-hmm. God, unreal. Man, so you. Unbelievable. Are you all set to go again uh, this coming season? I'll never miss an elk season in my life again. Never. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. So, COVID, COVID be damned. <laughs> I, I, I know that's right. I know that's right. Where, um, so you, you said you got enough points for California, right? Or are you going back to, um, to Wyoming or what? So Wyoming doesn't like me. Uh, I've put in since I left there. Um, and that wasn't the plan, right? The plan was to kind of hunt, hunt a state a year. Um, okay. And I didn't realize, I didn't realize how elusive elk were with that plan. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, with the learning curve. Um, so yeah, I plan on going back to Wyoming when I get in there. I'll probably, probably end up having to wait another year for that. Um, but this year, I'll with COVID being, you know, kind of locking us down and, and the uncertainty. Instead of, uh, well, I'm, I'm at max points, but I'll actually put in for my tag this year to see if I can draw here. And then uh, the plan is either Oregon or uh, Colorado this year. If oh I can wow! On both, I'll do that. But yeah, but uh-huh. yeah, if I get uh, that home tag, then one of them will take a back burner. And then uh, yeah, I can't have too many vendettas out there so wyoming's a vendetta right now and colorado got me last year so yeah we're uh we're going back to colorado <laughs> but i got buddies in oregon that want me to come up there so so now to, uh, and that was the other thing i wanted i was gonna ask too so like when once you draw your tag are you, these all like public land diy hunts or like are you using an outfitter or for me i've i've gone i've gone you know public land diy Okay. Um, ain't nothing wrong with a guide or anything like that. I don't know what I'll do here since this is, you know, a once in a lifetime, uh, we got Tuli elk and it's the only place in the world that they exist. Mm. I don't want to, I don't think I want to leave that tag to chance. Sure. Um, so I may, I might employ a guide on that, um, or pick some brains to try and, you know, seal a deal. Um, if, if I draw here at home. But that'd be, you know, that'd be really cool to get that uh, 
get that once in a lifetime on that Tuvi, man. That's the hope. Man, well, good luck with that, cause that that, like you said, that would be awesome. Now you kind of got me like curious. I elk was one of those things that like I looked at and I've seen elk hunts, and most of the elk hunts that I've seen always like with rifle and they like picking them off at like two hundred yards, and I'm just like, you know, they're beautiful animals, you know, great um, racks and everything, but. It just didn't appeal to me, and then I started seeing a couple of bow hunter, um, bow hunting elk, and even those were still like 50, 60 yards, and I was just kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it's again, still cool, but my idea of bow hunting is if I can get something within fifteen to twenty yards, that to me is the experience in bow hunting like how you had your elk at like 20 and i know that that's not always you know the case or whatever i mean it's not always the case with deer but like the deer i shot last year was at like 15 yards and i could watch it like crunch corn and like hear like the sounds of crunching of it uh crunching corn and eating and while waiting, you know, for a good shot or whatever. And, I mean, it's just stuff like that and having them walk up under your stand. So, I always the, – the point I'm trying to get to is, like, I always like the close range. So, if I could, mm-hmm. you know, experience something like that, I that would probably be cool. But I don't know. Now you kind of got me curious. Like I said, I, I might have to do some research. I, I think I, – I agree with you to a point. But I, I'm going to say that out – in the West, I'm going to say our average shot is about 40 yards on on most games. Yeah. Um, when it comes to elk, the most guys believe the closer the better um, is is kind of that experience. And I I heard the number. I'm probably misstating it, um, but I want to say that the average shot on the elk is like eight, 17 or 18 yards. So you got you know you got your uh, you got your close your close range on that definitely. Um, but I, I will tell you when you're getting your butt kicked on that mountain after, you know, a week, a week and a half. And if you have the proficiency to take that 50, 60 yard shot, I guarantee you, you let it fly because <laughs> they, for as big as they are, it's unreal how elusive they are. And as, as vocal as they can be and as loud as they can be, how fast they'll just go dead silent on you. Yeah. Um, it is, yeah. See it, that, it's an amazing chase. That's the other thing, too. Like, everything that I've watched or just kind of investigated or talked to people that have hunted out west is, like, it, the physical demands are a lot different than down south. Like, I mean, of course, mm-hmm. you want to be in shape. And, like, I always, you know, I work out and whatnot. You know, I try to make sure I'm in good shape, you know, and, Especially if you, you know, you're dragging out a deer or, you know, helping drag out a hog or whatever. Um, or even just to be able to walk, you know, like, a, you know, a couple miles or whatever into the woods, whatever. You just, you want to be fit. Like, you don't want to, you don't want that part of the process to wear you out before you get, you know, actually into the hunt. But hunting out west, it's like a whole different fitness level. Like, you, you, you can't just, you know, I've heard everybody say, like, if you get a hunt, like, out west or whatever, do yourself a favor and get in shape because you don't want to limit your opportunities because you already have blown up before you can get, like, mm-hmm. to the good spots or whatever. 
uh, you know, it, I mean, with fitness, right? Cause it's kind of subjective. Um, you know, there's dudes that, that live it. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think it's a great facilitator. I've been, you know, I've been heavy, man. Um, I let it go for years <laughs> and <laughs> didn't, it didn't stop me from getting in the woods. And I think a lot of, for me, a lot of it is mindset. Okay. Um, I like to push myself. I like to go out and suffer. Um, it changes you, right? When you, when you push through your, your shortcomings in anything we do. Um, but it, it's definitely a facilitator. The, the biggest challenge I think that most folks have with, you know, coming from anywhere, even from, you know, where I live, I'm a hundred and something feet above sea level, um, is you get an altitude. Mm. So that's where the biggest amount of preparation comes from is getting those lungs that, you know, that, that cardiovascular, um, that respiratory, you know, nice and conditioned at the best you can at, you know, at whatever altitude you are, because you get, you know, you go to Colorado, you might be chasing, um, I think last year, I think we capped out just under 10,000, but we were like 75, 7,600 up to 10,000. Um, you got 14ers in, in Colorado. Um, so it's the altitude that really gets you. And then I can't really talk much about packing one out because I keep getting beat up on it. Um, but I mean, you figure, you know, you're packing out, uh, a bone in, you know, hind quarter, you got, you know, 60 pounds strapped to your pack on, on a quarter. Uh, and whatever else you got in your pack. So you, you might be toting, you know, 80 to a hundred pounds in a pack, um, oh. trying to pack that animal out. And that's, that's where you get a lot of it too. But I would say lung capacity, man, that, you know, and then that mental strength is <laughs> the mental strength is really what's going to push you through it. In my opinion, yeah. I know dudes that are killing animals that you look at them and you, you know, you think they're road hunters. <laughs> but they end up getting them or out sitting of it. In, or sitting in the tree stand. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong. With, listen, there's nothing wrong with a good climber. I I had to find that out the hard way last year, but I am married to my climber as far as it will take me. <laughs> you know, it's funny, right? Because we we hear that a lot, and like I told you, you know, when I when I got into this, that's what I knew was a tree stand or a blind. Right. So me and my buddy that I started with, man, we went and bought, we went and bought a couple of uh, climbers and it wasn't until we got about 15 feet in the tree and realized that we didn't belong up in the tree. My <laughs> buddy almost fell out, had his harness on wrong and oh fell asleep, damn near fell down. And, uh, yeah, that, that lasted all of half a season. And then we figured out, you know, I'm, we're climbing up trees, man, on hillsides, not knowing anything better. See, I started like with I like blinds just because they're easy to get in, easy to get out of. If you want to film, it's easy to film. You set your tripod, yada yada yada. It's easier. Everything's easier in a blind to me. Um, but you see, obviously, a lot better when you're in a tree. And you know, the first, you know, my first couple years, you know, I hung stands and stuff, and. Hanging stands was a chore for me. Like, I watched people do it, and it was like, oh, I can hang a set and, you know, and take it down and hunt it the same day and all like that. And here I am, like, two months out trying to hang sets, and it was kicking my butt in the summertime. And then finally I mm -hmm. just went and I got a climber last year, 
and I, you know, messed around with it a little bit. I wanted to mess around with it before deer season started, but I didn't. So we got into deer season. I started messing around with it, got comfortable enough to hunt out of it, and I swear it, it's like where have you been all my life? Like it's opened up so much more to be mobile, like here to be able to hunt different spots and not be married you know, just to the sets that you've already hung. Like, you know, if deer aren't there, it's like, okay, if you see there at a certain place or you get trail camera intel or whatever to be able to move that climber, find a tree 15, you know, 17 feet in air, boom, you know, try to make it happen. So, and I, that, that, you sound like you, you sound like you should be hunting out here, man. If you like being mobile, I like being mobile once I get, to my climber and I get in the tree and then I can sit my jolly butt down for a few minutes. And then, <laughs> and then wait. Spot and stalk, not really my thing. Like I, I run and man. gun a little bit for turkeys. Um, but man, ain't nothing like, you know, setting up a good blind or setting up a good spot where, you know, they're going to fly down that and then just be right there. But like a whole bunch of, Running and gunning and spotting stalk, not really my deal. I don't, I love people I, that can do it though. I, I think a lot of the difference too is the size of the land that we that we're hunting. Um, you know, I've talked to folks back east and down south on the podcast, and you know, folks are hunting you know four hundred four hundred acres. I know people that are hunting you know five or six acres. Right. So I think that's the biggest contrast is you know five to you know five acres to 600 acres you could probably get away with it you get out here and you get the public land pressure and you're talking you know vast acreage um sitting in that one spot man it just doesn't lend itself at least in my experience and i've seen i've seen stands set up in the elk woods i've seen you know blinds i see deer stands in uh in my local area here i just can't I can't sit in one spot hoping that opportunity walks by me, right? I want to go and create my opportunity, um, whatever that means. No, um, I, and, I, and, and I can some see that. This is putting your stand in the right place, you know? I don't want to upset me or listenership either. No, it's great because, you know, I've had, I've had a couple people on, um, you know, that hunt like New Mexico and have hunted like, you know, up in the uh, great Northwest, like, uh, you know, Washington, Oregon, like that area. But to it's something that I'm always like wanting to learn more about and just get like a different perspective. So, no, nah, you mm-hmm. I wouldn't even worry about that. You good. Um, but I understand what you're saying, though, because like I've talked to people even out here that don't like um, tree stands. They don't like being mm-hmm. in the stand like they. They would rather be boots to the ground and take, you know, the fight to the deer. And in mm-hmm. these uh, hardwoods and pine woods, God love you. Go for it. Like, and if you can be successful at it, man, whatever it takes for you to be successful, hey, do it. Me, personally, like, I, and it's funny how you were talking before about, like, you know, you hunted, you um, had that encounter, and you're like, you'll never miss another elk season again. Like, that's how I am about deer season. Like, I finally was home here in Georgia to 
be able to go like out like a lot, not like, you know, just once here and there or, you know, every once in a while, like during the season or whatever. Like I was hardcore out. Like for me, hardcore was like two, about three, four times a week going out during deer season. And I'm sitting here now with like you talking about this COVID thing. I'm sitting here now rocking back and forth, like uh, suffering from withdrawals (laughs) waiting on September. And I love the summer. I love summer. Summer's my favorite time of the year, but I'm looking at like food plot seeds and I'm like, when is September going to be here? I'm like, I got trees picked (laughs) out. Like I am ready, but (laughs) you know, so at the end of the day though, man, it's all, it's all great. Like as long as you're in the outdoors, man, I love it. I I love it. So yeah, that's, that's the plus is just getting out there and, and whatever the pursuit is, right. Just, you know, living living that uh that once a year dream right that that you know 150 inch white tail buck or you know i don't i was gonna say 200 pound hog but that's sausage meat i like the little hogs man <laughs> oh you like that the, you, you don't like the big ones you like the the, the little uh little uh i call them like pocket size the little small ones you can put them yeah, on the grill oh. Oh man, that's the best eating hogs. Yeah, no, they <laughs> are they the big are. nasty ass old sows or boars, <laughs> and especially the boars, man. That's all sausage. <laughs> yeah, the boars you can't. Yeah, though you get a big old, like you say, big old fat nasty boar. Yeah, there's not a whole lot you can do with it. But if you get a, a good sized nursing sow, you able to stick one of them, man. You you living right. You get all mm-hmm. kind of um, pulled pork and stuff. That's one of my favorite things to do off a of wild hog is pulled pork, man. Pulled pork. Oh man, get a nice. Uh, <laughs> you get a nice. Get that that rump roast or that Boston uh, that uh, shoulder or that Boston butt like cut, man. And you put that thing in the oven and then get those uh, bear claws and slice it up. Get your barbecue sauce of choice. Oh man. Oh You're man. In business. Man. <laughs> I, and, You're gonna be- firing the withdrawals off even more. Hey, man, I, I am well <laughs> overdue for killing. Usually, I've had, yeah. the last couple of seasons, I've had my seasons mapped out pretty good. Deer was, you know, I I go and I do, you know, deer, whatever, usually. Like up in Wisconsin, I was fortunate enough to hunt up there. And, you know, I usually kill either really early or really late up there. But if I killed mm-hmm. really early, it's like, all right, that's good. Um, then I'd start goose hunting. Like I really got into goose hunting living up there. And then, so if the goose hunting and that would kind of die down and then about February, March or so, I'll kill me a hog, April, I'll go turkey hunt, April, May, go turkey hunting. And then June, July, start working towards deer season. Like I I had it like clockwork, like textbook, but you know, this year is, you know, especially with the damn COVID and all this other crap, it's kind of thrown stuff and thrown a monkey wrench into my little schedule. My turkey hunt got canceled, um, in Texas. I got, uh, I didn't get a chance to get, um, any hogs in March. So it's all over the place, man. But yeah, uh, but the one thing, huh? I'm, sorry, said, I'm itching, man. I'm itching. <laughs> Do you? How often are you shooting? Like, how often are you shooting your bow? Every day. Yeah, yeah. That's especially- every day. If I if if it's five, if it's five ends, I pull every day. It doesn't it doesn't matter to me. I got 17 yards from one side of the yard to the other. Um, and then if I you know if I need to, I'll shoot. I put the target in the garage just to pull. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it's a it's a, a daily a daily thing for me. What do you uh, What are you shooting? I have a uh, I have a few bows, but right now primarily shooting my Prime CT five. Okay, seventy pound. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, I, especially with stuff being grounded and not being able to travel and being home, it's like that's my saving grace. Like every in the evening, mm-hmm. just about every evening, go out there. I got in my driveway, I can hit it from 20, and then if I go, like, out into the street, across the street, I can hit, like, 30. So I'll go from between 20 and 30 into the targets. Just, like you said, scenarios playing in your head, man. And But it, it's been a saving grace, so. Oh, that's, yeah, I bought a pile of arrows, a pile of arrows last <laughs> week. Because I was like, you know, I haven't built arrows in a couple of years, uh-huh. and I need something to do. <clears throat> So I think uh, I got three. I bought three dozen, and then I won one of those Instagram contests. So I won a dozen on that. And uh, yeah, I just I was like, man, I'm gonna just build. I'm gonna just sit here and build arrow after arrow after arrow. Mess with fletching and see, you know, see what happens. Just yeah. to, just to kind of break it up. What uh, what kind of shaft? Uh, the Black Eagle Rampage. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Three hundred spine. <laughs> yep. That's that's what I shoot. That's what mm. I shoot. Um, I love those, man. That's yeah, such a such a durable arrow. It is. It, it's very durable, especially with the stuff that's behind my targets. I got like all kind of like sheet metal and stuff, and Lord knows I've punched holes in that sheet metal. But those those arrows still take a beating and keep going. So yeah, I'm. Oh yeah, I'm all about those, man. The one thing I want to make sure I touch on before I get you out of here kind of I think we're kind of in the same boat like we figured out that we enjoyed you know hunting and enjoyed uh doing it I know I come from a media background what made you start your podcast and like your brand the western contours like what what went into that like how did you transfer it into doing that <laughs> so I, I haven't been listening to the podcast and whatnot terribly I think I might have been into listening to podcasts six or seven months before I started mine. And I was just, I was going crazy, man. I would, you know, I drive around a lot for work and, uh, you know, I'd listen, I'd listen, I'd listen. And then get to the point where I'm waiting on new episodes to release. And, and I don't see this to be offensive to anyone, but it was the same regurgitated (laughs) the same 10 stories it doesn't sound like the same 10 stories right (laughs) and i was just like man like this dude is a this dude is a stellar hunter yeah i've heard him tell the same gd story on five (laughs) different podcasts in two weeks (laughs) so and as i started like going to 3d shoots and the pro shop and i'm talking to people and, and just meeting people right you're you're talking hunting and you get fired up about it, man. And you hear, you know, you're hearing these people's stories and you're connecting with their stories. And, and it, it got to the point with the regurgitation where it was like, well, where the hell are the stories that I'm hearing at the pro shop? Where the hell are the stories from the dude I crossed paths with at work and noticed that he had, you know, a hunting brand hat on or something. Where are those stories at? So I started looking at it and going, man, how do you, you know, who the hell is going to want to listen to me? You know? Right. And I'm, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. And I said, screw it. So, uh, kind of mapped it out. And then I, I did a little bit of audio stuff back in the day with some music and went to school and whatnot for a, 
a tad with it. And, uh, so I knew, I knew how to deal with the sound part of it and, uh, just said, all right, I'm gonna give it a shot. Not knowing nothing, man. I got the gear, went through a couple of little, you know, at home recording things, figured out how to do everything. And I just started hitting people on Instagram Mm -hmm. and saying, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And, uh, that, I mean, kind of, that was it, man. Um, you know, I just reached out, I came up with what I wanted for my logo, you know, and, and reached out to, uh, my buddy Colt McDermott, um, and, and said, Hey dude, you know, can you, can you take care of this logo? I think it took me, she's, I don't know. It was like three or four months of bugging the hell out of Colt. He was doing <laughs> stuff for like Adam Green Tree and, you know, and it was just like some, you know, some random dude out of California. Mm-hmm. You know how people feel about Californians. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that was, I mean, really, that was all she wrote, man. I just started reaching out to people and it was really about hearing, you know, just the everyday story of hunting and, and it, where I was finding inspiration and in talking to these people, you know, and, and it was just, yeah, it was just like, man, that's where it's at. You know, when I went to Wyoming, uh, you know, talking to guys up there, you go to, you know, just roll. I was solo, man. I rolled up in a tavern and I'm talking to, you know, sitting there with a burger and, and sipping on iced tea and uh, talking to a dude. And man, you just, you know, you start these conversations. And when it comes to hunting, so much clicks. Yeah. It's like, I don't care. We, we've never talked before outside of, you know, texting back and forth. And I don't care who it is. If you have the same the same outlook on hunting, not even the same outlook on hunting, but you share that passion. Yep. You could, it's like you knew that person for 10, 15, 20 years. Um, it just clicks, you know? And, and honestly, that's, that's really all it was about for me, um, was, was just to hear those stories. And then as this thing has progressed, I find tons of values in hunting, in the hunting community, in hunters. Um, I think we, we hold some of the more traditional values, the things that I think we lack in society in general nowadays, mm-hmm. um, honesty, <laughs> respect, <laughs> um, family. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know tons of hunting families that, that sit down every night and pray over their meal together. Right. And, and those are values that I hold high. So it was so easy for me to find, find a common ground, right? Uh, and then you start talking to folks and then people are relating to it because it's just, it's just like their story. And, and man, as this thing has progressed, it just made me fall in love more and more with hunting. Uh, podcasting is something else, man. It is, uh, it's a lot of GD work, man. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot. It takes a lot for, and really, I don't know if I don't make money on it. I just do it because I love it. It's fun. Uh, I enjoy talking to the folks and meeting folks and talking hunting, you know, made some great friends through, through this network. Um, but yeah, I mean, really it was just because I got tired of hearing the same five to 10 dudes on the same five to 10 podcast, <laughs> talk about the same five to 10 damn hunts. <laughs> Somebody would be mad. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> It's just so it it's funny because like I'm I'm with you like I'm with you a hundred percent. It's just when you're not getting what you want, 
then by golly, go out and create it. And that's create it. That's it. That's basically, you know, the podcast, like my podcast, morphed from, you know, an idea that I had when I first started, you know, my um my outdoor brand and whatnot. And it was just like, you know, this podcasting when I started doing the research on it, because I didn't listen to podcasts. And when I started, you know, doing the research and then started listening to uh, different podcasts, it was like, I can do that. And then I started figuring it out and putting it together. And the crazy thing for me was, I didn't in the beginning. I didn't listen to a bunch of hunting podcasts. I listened to wrestling podcasts. Like that's where I drew like a lot of my inspiration and just format and stuff from listening to you know professional retired professional wrestlers who had podcasts and just their formats. And I was like, this is pretty cool. And then I would go and listen to hunting podcasts. And like you say, it's the same. You know, okay, well, this is how you know you trail a deer, or you know, we're in. Iowa and these bucks do this, this, and this. And no, like you said, no disrespect to people like that. And they, you know, they have their audience and, you know, they do very well. But I was just like, mm, I think there's room for something else. And so mm-hmm. you just go out and and you you take control of it and you, you bring something else. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a rough, it's a rough uphill, right? Because a lot of and I find myself conflicted with it because I'd love to put out a podcast that gets, you know, 20,000 downloads or, you know, some crazy ass number per podcast, 5,000 downloads. Um, for some guys that's, you know, that's run of the mill, right? but I don't want to do it. And, and in a manner that, pulls me back from why I started. Cause I'm one of them dudes like, this is what I believe. This is how I see it. This is what I'm, I'm, I'm going to go through everything to see the end result and whatever that is at this point remains to be seen, but I got to stay true to the game. If you will, how I saw it when I got into it. Now there's always room for improvement, things like that, but I got to stay true to the game. Right. You don't want to, you don't want to veer off far from where, what your original, you know, goals were when you started it. Right. Because then, then what do you do? Right. You feel like it's with anything. It it starts to either feel like it's work or it starts to feel like it's dishonest in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't want to pretend I'd rather have a conversation with, you know, you or, uh, you know, uh, we've had Brian, uh, Brandon Goodwin on both of us yeah. uh, or with Brandon, you know, and stay true to what I believe and, and listen to, you know, people that are still enamored by hunting and, and are in love with it and the pursuit and not just talking hunting because it's, you know, this was a cool once in a lifetime hunt type deal, which, you know, those, those there's opportunity for those. But I don't think that that should be the norm. There's so much more that goes into what we do and the love that we have for it and the values and how we see it that's the stuff that i want to highlight man is is the is the real meaning behind what we do right right and be able be able to share share those stories and just have those conversations because i mean like a lot of times when i call people up to try to get them on you know like some some people you know they want like a detailed like 10 15 questions like specific questions or whatever 90% of the time, I write down like five points. 
I don't even tell the people the five points that I'm writing down, and I'm just like, we're just going to have a conversation. And most people are like, okay, cool. And that's how it, you know, to me, that's what I love about, you know, doing my podcast the way that I do it. Because, yeah, you certainly can do, you know, like Q&A and have, you know, like um, a Q&A and stuff like that. And, again, nothing wrong for that. But I know for me and what I want to put out, I want to try to put out, like, a genuine conversation. Like, this is basically Mm -hmm. a conversation me and you are having, like you said, like if we were in a bar or at a trade show or at a 3D shoot, whatever, and we just struck up a conversation, this is basically what it is. And I think, I mean, in my opinion, I'm, it's more relatable to more people. You know, I know everybody wants to dream of that, you know, that that big Saskatchewan whitetail hunt or, you know what I mean? Or some big you right. know sheep hunt up in B.C. or something. But, yeah, it's nice to look at that stuff. But how, how relatable is it to your actual pursuit, right? Because I know for me... I'm not, I'm not spending, you know, 40 grand on a stone sheep hunt. Right. Um, it's great to hear about it, but I, God damn it, right. that's about all this. You're hearing do. about it. Right. You want to, you want to <laughs> be know? able to talk about and, and have stuff that you can relate to. And I think that, the, yeah. you know, the stuff that I talk about and the hunts that, you know, I go on and the hunts that I've been fortunate to go on and stuff and stuff that anybody can do is nothing exceptional as far as like exceptional from the standpoint of like, Oh, you can't attain it. Like you got to be in this special like class or anything like that. No, it's like for anybody. So man, well, and I'm going to just qualify. I'm going to qualify all that real quick. If anybody wants to take me and Adam on a stone sheep hunt, we will not say no. We will absolutely go with you. So I will will start. I will will study up on the stone sheep and make sure I know where the shot placement and everything is. I I will make it worth your while. That is, that is for sure. We will be there. (laughs) No doubt. God, I appreciate you, man, taking the time. Let folks know where they can find your podcast, where they can find you, social media, website, all kind of stuff. I checked your website. I think I told you, man, you you got a kick-ass website, man. So let people know where they can find you. So the uh, pretty active on Instagram um, because the algorithm says I need to be. So you can hit me there. It's at Western Contours. <laughs> because uh, otherwise the, we would not waste our time with that shit. <laughs> I would not be relevant. Um, not that I am that relevant. And then uh, westerncontours.com. You get on there. I got a couple, I think I got a couple of videos on there. Podcasts are available on the website. There's some media stuff on there. Ton of discounts, man. First, you know, some great companies. Um, oh, where else? I got Facebook, but my Instagram posts to Facebook, so I really don't play with that too much. And then yeah. as far as the podcast, um, just about every major podcast platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Google Play, I'm on all that. So it's all Western Contours, pretty easy. And that's what's up, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for coming through, man. And uh, let's keep in touch, man. Over the uh, season, Absolutely. I want to I know how your um, how your elk uh, expeditions are going. Yeah, absolutely, man. We got to get you out here out west so you can uh, 
you can forget about sitting in them blinds and tree stands with them hogs and deer over there. <laughs> <laughs> look, I'm I'll, have, ruin, I'll ruin you for life. I'll have to get it. I'll, look, I have to get start running up and down Stone Mountain so I can get in shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you again. I appreciate you asking me to jump on with you, man. And we'll have to do this on the other side um, and get you on. And, and maybe I'd like to contrast the, you know, the East I'm generalizing, right? Cause it's kind of Midwest down South and, and a little bit in the East, you guys hunt, you know, similar. Yep. So I'd like to get on with you and, and just do a little contrast and talk about the differences and nuances. And we had, you know, kind of talked about doing that on this one, but we'll save it for mine. Yeah, no, definitely. We, we can, uh, we can make that happen, man. That's nothing. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. It was, uh, appreciate the opportunity. It's always, uh, always an honor when I'm asked. Oh yeah. No doubt. I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Thank uh, you. Yep. Man, I hope y'all enjoyed my conversation with Guy Duplanche from Western Contours Outdoors. I really enjoyed talking to him. It's great to meet another podcaster who is kind of independently doing their own thing as far as like making a hunting and fishing outdoors type podcast. So it was really great to talk to him. And I know we're going to get a chance to chop it up again. We actually recorded a podcast for his show. So as soon as I get that information, when that's going to drop, I will make sure and pass it on to you guys. Before I get ready to get up out of here, I just want to let you guys know a couple of things. Thing number one, the Bryantland Show is on Patreon. Patreon is a way for you to support the Bryantland Show. And all you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash Bryantland, chip in a paper nickel, five bucks, a paper nickel, and you can get all kind of behind the scenes, all kind of bonus content, an oasis of bonus content, if you will, the Bryantland Show on Patreon. Make sure you go check it out. The Bryantland Show back episodes when we were the Bryantland Country podcast can be found on bryantlandcountry.com. Bryantlandcountry.com is our website. We have merchandise. We have videos. We have stories. We have back podcasts so you can go and listen to our shows. You can also access our Patreon through bryantlandcountry.com as well we are a bass pro shop affiliate so make sure you click on those links anytime that you want to take a trip to bass pro shop and shop online click on those links through our website bryantlandshow.com or excuse me bryantlandcountry.com bryantlandcountry.com it never fails i always mess that up at least every other fourth episode but anyway Thank you for supporting our show. I will have some information coming up soon. Uh, we're going to be doing some big things coming up in the fall, hopefully, for Bryantland and the Bryantland Show. So I'll have some more info on that coming up here really soon. You guys stay safe out there. Make sure you continue to tell five people to tell five more people about the Bryantland Show. And make sure you come back next week for another episode of the Bryantland Show. 